Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Quentin Crew, the co-deputy editor of Film Comment. With an award-winning filmography of documentaries that includes, among many others, the epical civil rights series Eyes on the Prize, 2020's MLK FBI, and 2021's Citizen Ash, Sam Pollard has changed the way we read history. Pollard is also an editor and producer working with filmmakers like Spike Lee and Bill Gunn. Simply put, the guy is a legend. Which brings us to his latest film, the new two-part documentary, Bill Russell Legend, which digs deep into the life and career of one of the greatest basketball players of all time. The winner of a record 11 championships from 1956 to 1969 with the Boston Celtics, including two as a player coach, Bill Russell was unique both on the court and off. Pollard's film is a remarkably nuanced portrait of a complex figure who, as a record-breaking athlete and active participant in the civil rights movement, changed the way we think about the intersections of sports, celebrity, and race in America. I invited Sam on the podcast to discuss his new film with the scholar Samantha Shepard, whose 2020 book Sporting Blackness is an incisive analysis of sports documentaries and representations of blackness on screen. We discussed the intensive research process behind the film, how the genre of the sports documentary can be used to rewrite history, and the legacy and life of the late Bill Russell, who passed away in July 2022. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. Today, we have uh, two very special guests, the filmmaker Sam Pollard, director of a fascinating new documentary on the basketball legend Bill Russell, and uh, also, as I'm sure many listeners know, the director behind uh, MLK FBI, Two Trains Running, and many other great recent documentaries. And our other guest is Dr. Samantha Shepard. Um, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I am Samantha Shepard. I am an associate professor of cinema and media studies at Cornell University in the Department of Performing and Media Arts and author of a book called Sporting Blackness, Race, Embodiment, and Critical Muscle Memory on Screen, and co-editor of a few different edited collections most pertinent to our conversation today, the edited collection, Sporting Realities, Critical Readings of the Sports Documentary with my colleague and friend, Travis Fogan. Thank you, Samantha, for joining us. I think your work is really germane to this film in particular. I guess to start things off, I just kind of want to start with the basics. Sam, how did this project come to be? Have you long been interested in doing a documentary on on Bill Russell? You know, he passed away in July, July 31st of last year. So um, were you working with him in the run up to this or and then that happened or how, how did this? Could you just talk us through the timeline of this of this particular project? Sure, Clint. About two years ago, uh, one of the executive producers on the on this on the two films, Ross Greenberg, who was president of HBO Sports, reached out to me. I had worked with him years ago when I was doing some films with Spike Lee for HBO Sports, and he reached out to me and asked if I was interested in directing the documentary about the legendary, greatest, you know, defensive center in the history of the game, Bill Russell. And being a young man who grew up in the 60s, who was very aware of Bill Russell and his exploits on the court, I said immediately, I said yes. The thing that that I came to learn in doing the research and preparing to do this film after we, you know, committed to myself becoming the director was the activism that Bill Russell had off the court. 
his involvement with the civil rights movement, being at the March on Washington with Dr. King in 1963, going down to Jackson, Mississippi, at the behest of Charles Evers after the death of his brother, Megra Evers, involvement in the Boston busing issues, going to the Cleveland summit, which I always knew about that picture of him, Jim Brown, Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know, I just was just excited to learn, learn all these other aspects about Bill Russell's life. And we were able to take excerpts from his two bio autobiographies, where you really get some real insights from Bill about what it meant to be a Black athlete what it meant to be a Black man, what it meant to be a Black man, a Black athlete in America in the turbulent late 50s and early 60s. And the struggles he had both inside himself, you know, and outside himself, being a player, being a Black man in America. Yeah, I mean, what's really fascinating to me about this movie is the way that he becomes this sport figures in the, in the late 60s. Black American athletes really became uh, activists in a way that well, not not all, not all. Not I mean, all, we should, for sure, we sure. should be very clear. Oh, I definitely. Mean, he was the, he was one of the major exceptions. I mean, him and Jim Brown and Kareem. There were a lot of black black athletes. Who basically, said, you know, I don't want to get involved in any kind of activism. I just want to play my sport. I mean, we've seen that time and time again over the years. You know, I think. But what makes Russell kind of unique, and even in that small cohort, is this. He's he's uh, reticent in a way. He's he keeps himself. There's a there's part of him that it, that he keeps private. I think, and I think your film does a really good job of portraying the complexities of this of Russell as a as an individual who really kind of maintained this private life. And to me, that's always been one of the things that's so interesting about him is, is that he played for Boston. He played for the Celtics. And I think in your film, at one point, he says. Or somebody says that, you know, outside of the Deep South, Boston is the most racist city in the country. Yeah, but you know, I I, I even challenge that, man. I mean, listen, it's, there's there's no northern city that's not, not racist as far as I'm concerned. I grew up in New York City. It's, Chicago is racist. Boston is racist. I mean, you know, that to me, that's a little hyperbole to say Boston's the most racist city in America. This is my opinion. I just think it's interesting that he was able to, uh, that, you know, and he and he left Boston right after he retired, right? And I think in the film you make it clear that he's that he doesn't see himself as a representative of Boston. He sees himself as a representative of his organization, the Celtics. Yeah, he loved he loved being a Celtic. He loved being a team player. He was a team player. You know, it wasn't about you know having the fans love him, but they didn't love him. You know, and and he had a chip on his shoulder about it, which he should have had. But think about it this way, you know, Clint, nineteen sixty nine. This man is weary. He's played 13 seasons. He's tired. His body's tired. His mind is tired. He beats, you know, he's player coach of the Boston Celtics. They go out and they win game seven against the Los Angeles Lakers. And what does Bill Russell decided to do? Wipe his hands of everything. Basically wipe his hands of right? Boston. Wipe his hands of the Celtics. And he even wiped his hands of his family. Yeah, he leaves his family at that point. <laughs> you know, I and mean, he got the car and he drove out to Los Angeles for a new life for new adventures. <laughs> so, over the course of the of the research of this that you did for this film and the and the editing process and everything, did you did your pin, did your thinking about Russell change? Well, one of the things I love about the documentary form, particularly on these films I've been able to dig into people like August Wilson and Sammy Davis Jr., mm -hmm. Bill Russell is that you learn that like all of us 
<laughs> there's chinks in the armor, mm-hmm. you know? And I appreciate the fact that you learn about the chinks in the armor. That makes people unique. That makes someone stand out, you know? I don't want to walk away. I didn't want to walk away thinking, wow, he was such a wonderful man. He didn't do anything wrong. Everything was great. He fought the good fight. Yeah, he fought the good fight, but he had some things in him that was not so great. For example, you know, his animosity toward Will Chamberlain about Will Chamberlain leaving game seven and yeah. the fact that they they fell out and didn't talk for years. And Bill Russell in that interview with Jane Kennedy didn't seem to have a problem not having to talk to Bill Russell ever again. That's real human, and, you, and it's a little bit of an—he's a little bit of an asshole. Well, right? Yeah, it takes it. You kind of have to be an asshole to win that much, too, though, right? I mean, and yeah, you I do. Think Kareem also had a falling out with Will Chamberlain. They didn't talk for many years, right? And that was like, and then either, and he, you know, didn't think about it until they ran into each other later. But it's also being human, man. People, yeah. human beings, have you know certain things that makes them have. They have flaws. We all have right. flaws. Some of us don't. We don't, we're not, those flaws aren't exposed because we're not in the limelight. In his case, he was. So you saw his flaws. But you also saw that he was a great player and he had a, he had a, an important perspective about human and civil rights. Dr. Shepard, I want, or Samantha. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> call it Sam. Like I know, like Sam and Sam right now. <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, it's going to get confusing. I wanted to ask you about just kind of the sports documentary and the basketball documentary in particular, because I feel like this film kind of fits perfectly into your into your understanding of doc, of the way the documentary works, doc, sports documentary and documentaries about African-American athletes in particular. Can you talk a little bit about how sports documentaries can kind of expand our understanding of history more broadly rather than just the history of a specific sport? Yeah, no, I mean... The really exciting thing about sports documentaries is that they are like other documentaries. They are um, in what we call like, you know, documentary studies terms, like examples of discourses of sobriety. They are trying to tell us a bit about the world, a world that has reference that we can understand. Um, It's just also that sports documentaries are also about works and cultural forms that are exceedingly popular. And so not only are we getting stories of a popular genre of of activity in terms of play, or um, in this case, in terms of basketball, we're also getting um, a genre with people who have, not just a genre, a replaying of narratives that people are quite familiar with. Um, they remember the process of watching, um, whether those be mediated processes like watching on television or attending games. So you remember watching this thing. So the documentary becomes this index of our history of viewing. Um, and when it comes to sports documentaries in particular, you have this chance to tell not just complex stories about sport, because with so many of these sports, um, at least today, we have you know, live television. Um, so we think we've, you know, we've witnessed the sport, but with with documentaries, you get a chance, as Sam has already pointed out, to kind of get a fuller history of all the historical, social, cultural, political forces that shape events on the court and more particularly events off the court. Um, and in terms of the sports documentary, um, the most, you know, prominent sports documentary, and we're in a boom of sports documentary. There's not an outlet that doesn't have a wing of sports documentaries. After ESPN with ESPN Films in 2009, starting 30 for 30, you get you know all the permutations of that with 9 for 9, SEC Stories, Soccer Stories, 
you get um, Fox News, sports. Netflix has like a whole series. Yes, yes. They're, they're, they're cheaper to make. They're really great content. People have a real hunger and desire to get this greater context. But the reason why I'm sort of pointing this out, we have all of these kinds of tales and stories, but the most prominent of these sports films, um, particularly sports documentaries, it's really coming in the wake of still hoop dreams. This narrative around basketball, basketball plays such a central role and particularly the narrative around um, African-Americans relationship to the sport um, with hoop dreams. We see the wake, we see the effects of these kinds of um, um, storytelling devices and critical engagements with the kinds of prominent sports docs that really, that really become water cooler conversations like The Last Dance and like I've think this film, um, Bill Russell Legend, will also be able to have. So one of the big points I'm sort of trying to make about the Black sports documentary is that it, it finally gives these athletes larger context. It lets them speak. It lets them be, um, be culturally and critically framed. And it lets them it lets us as audiences see their sport not divorced from the so sociality in which they live. So it's not a narrative of shut up and dribble. It's actually tell us more and also show us the sport at the same time. So these films become really, really important as a way to provide a greater context to Black athletes in ways that we have not seen them um, on the court and more particularly off the court in terms of their social or cultural impact. Right. I think that this film does that uh, so well. Like you, you mentioned The Last Dance or some, you know, many other sports documentaries that are literally just sort of focus on the the world of professional sports. You don't really have this the the broader social context or the world in which these players are living, these people are living. And I think that uh, Sam, your documentary, your film, and all of your films, kind of to a certain extent, do this: is that they provide that context, and you have this kind of and portray the world as this rich, complex place with many competing forces at at play and um i wanted to kind of ask about your interest in i know you you began your career as an editor right yes and have you always been sort of interested in doing history too have you always been kind of engaged in this kind of historical thing <laughs> i would say to you clint from the age of 14 as a young man middle school and high school i i always loved history I never knew that it would take me down this path, making documentaries, but I was always really in, interested and engaged by history, you know, American history, world history. I was always engaged by it. And it might have been kismet that I fell into the documentary arena where, you know, I'm, I was and it enabled me to have, have an opportunity to learn more history through the making of these documentaries which was not my, you know, and quite honestly, it wasn't my initial career goal to be a documentary editor or be a documentary director. I wanted to be a feature film editor. How did that, how did you end up uh, working on documentary? What, what was the? Well, I was very fortunate that I got into, I worked on a low budget and, and Sam will know this film. I was an apprentice editor on a 19, 71, 72 film titled Ganja and Hess, directed by Bill wow. Gunn. Oh my he sent his mouth you know, open. I knew that. I, yeah, that's yeah. And, and uh, the editor on that film, a gentleman named Victor Konevsky, took me under his wing after that experience. 
And he basically introduced me to the, the documentary world of editing. And the thing that that excited me about being becoming a documentary editor was the ability to have material that didn't really have a narrative structure because there was no scripts most times. But we, the responsibility the editor had to shape the narrative. And being at that time a very shy young man and not feeling comfortable around lots of people, the experience of sitting in a dark room shaping documentary material, interviews, archival footage, verite footage into some structural form became very, you know, intoxicating for me. And I got, I fell in love with it. So it was really working with this gentleman, Victor Konevsky, who really became my major mentor. This episode of the Film Comment Podcast is brought to you by Ovid. IndieWire calls Ovid an increasingly essential streaming service for cinephiles determined to create their own canon. Ovid features radical, hand-picked, rarely-seen films from around the world. This month, Ovid exclusively offers two acclaimed films from Latin America. Patricio Guzman's latest documentary, My Imaginary Country, a New York Times critic's pick, and the haunting Mexican coming-of-age drama Summer White which the Times calls an engrossing, unnerving tightrope walk. With films from directors like Chantel Ackerman, Ryusuke Hamaguchi, and Pavel Pavlikowski, Ovid invites you to look at life through a different lens. And now, through February, sign up at ovid.tv and use the code ANNUAL, that's A-N-N-U-A-L, to receive 50% off your first year subscription. And can I add, I think that editing, what you just described here, is such a, a powerful and and a really important formal note that everyone should kind of understand is that yes, documentaries have this relationship to veracity and to truth and to the world, but it's really about storytelling. It's the arrangement of stories and histories so that you could take Bill Russell's story um, and arrange it with all the footage you did and you get a story that looks dense and complex around the sport, but also around his life, you can also arrange all of those histories to 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 just talk about, you know, civil rights. Um, you can, you can, you could, you know, go in and do a deep dive and just talk about issues of, you know, masculinity and manhood. You could, you could telescope in on a point. So the fact that we can think about documentaries and particularly the formal role of the director and a director who has is so skillful in terms of thinking about editing is that you you use this mode of historiogra- historiography um, to have this kind of what I would say like a redress. How do I tell this story of a figure you think you know in a way that is revealing something that you did not know about them, but also perhaps something you didn't know about the sport, something you didn't know about yourself or about the world. And it's not just because you had access to really amazing footage and you did. The footage in the film is so lovely. It's 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 personal archives, it's layered um, narrators, it's, it's, it, it's a wealth of material, but it's also about the arrangement of those materials and the kinds of story that you wanna tell about Bill Russell. I would want this to inaugurate the Bill Russell compendium, the way that we have the Ali compendium of documentaries that look at his life from so many angles and places and through so many different kinds of formal devices and choices. So I just, I really applaud how how you use your training to, to tell to tell a very broad, but yet very specific story about a man. Yes, it's about a legend, but really about a man. You, you said it right on, Sam. It's very articulate. <laughs>
I want to ask, I mean, something that Sam alluded to, but it's also the research process and doing, you know, in history is, you know, a lot of digging into archives, digging into archival footage. How did you approach this uh, project in, that, in terms of research, in terms of like tracking down that footage? Well, the first thing you always have to have on these these kind of films is you have to hire somebody, which is the person called an archival producer, who used to be an archivist, to be able to go and do that deep dive and finding the footage, the stills, the articles, the stories that you know that you can use to help shape the narrative. Now we had a great archival team led by a woman named Helen Russell, who had done lots of sports documentaries, so she was fantastic. The other great element here that we brought to the table, that was brought to the table by one of my producers, Ruben Atlas, was his idea as we were starting to think about how to shape the narrative, as, as Sam just mentioned, was, you know, maybe we should go back into Bill's autobiographies and take excerpts from him because he is going to tell us, give us more insight into who he was and what he was doing, what, we, what he was thinking about, not only on the court, but off the court. So we, he did a deep dive and looking at all these different excerpts from these books, and not only from the two books that Bill had written, but also from articles when he was, you know, he, he was a guest, you know, a columnist for the Boston Globe, other articles he had written for sports, things he had said in Sports Illustrated. We are able to find all, all these things to help shape the material, which meant that we had a treasure trove of stuff. I love that. Uh, I love that one column that he wrote that was like one, one or two lines, right, after... Oh, they After lost, they lost to, the, to the Lakers, right? Lakers, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's, you know, in documentary filmmaking is really being like an anthropologist. You're doing a deep dive. You're doing a tremendous amount of research. And the more research you do, the more you find gold. You really find gold. You know, you know I, I'm finishing up another documentary now about the Negro baseball leagues. And my biggest concern when we started the archival process was Jesus, there won't be enough footage to tell this story. But quite honestly, lo and behold, Helen Russell, who's also the archival producer for Bill Russell, who's the archival producer on this film, also by the Negro Leagues, she was able to come up with so much stuff. Now, that when I watch the film now, I say, wow, I thought there was not much footage, but there's more than ever. So in terms of footage and stills, you know, you just need someone who's really going to be able to do that deep, deep, deep dive. Because if you don't have a great archival person, you can't really make these documentaries come to life. And the archive is so animated in this work, which I think one of my favorite parts of parts of watching, well, both parts of the documentary is all of the footage and the use of what I imagine was part of this sort of deep dive um, excavation of his own word. Like when he describes the concept of tokenism, it's so richly powerful when he says it, saying I'm the first this, this is not meaningful to me. This is, this should not be meaningful. And I think in this era of really this mode of, you know, still celebrating and of course, or recognizing black first as a mode to recognize quote unquote black excellence. You know, we also have to look that Bill Russell was already still pushing back on these moments. I'm also really drawn to that moment that is brought up the connection between Bill Russell and his relationship to not just the civil rights movement, but to larger concerns about, you know, racial violence. Um, the moment with Emmett Till is really resonant because this is really a, 
a factor that affected so many athletes and black people at the time. Um, the work that Mamie Till did to share that violence to the world um, also comes up in Muhammad Ali's autobiography. He also mentions the role of having to see that body and feeling a deep connection with um, Emmett Till. And so I think that these deep dives and how the film tries to animate the archive for us, both in terms of the visual, the sumptuous visual amount of games. I was like, also, cause he won so damn much, right? Um, you know, it's like, I kept being like, where are we on games? Win seven, win eight, when, you know, there's, but there's so much great footage of the games, which we realize that we maybe haven't actually seen in, in depth. There's great footage of, of him in, in the city. There's great footage of him with his um, teammates and the camaraderie that was so amazing. And I know, and I have a question actually about the end um, because it seems like also when he, leaves, you know, his family leaves Boston and goes to California, there must have been this huge treasure trove also of all of the, the TV um, and media work he seemed to be doing while he was finding himself. This is an athlete who had a long career, unlike other athletes or other Black prominent figures whose lives were cut down. You had years and years and years of visual text to, to to engage with. And I think that's what makes this work really exceptional. We could have done a whole nother hour on the, on this post career, you know. I really wanted that. I was set up for part three. I was like, give me more of this Bill Russell show. Tell me more about these. Cause this was somebody who seemed so, you know, it's not like he reminded me a bit of Marshawn Lynch. And I was thinking of the documentary on Marshawn Lynch, Lynch a history that was done by David Shields. And I was thinking, you know, Marshawn Lynch has that famous, you know, um, you know, I'm just here so I won't get fined. I don't want to talk to the press in that way. But we know Marshawn Lynch actually loves the media. You know, he's on the American version of the Great British Bake Off. You know, there's this interesting relationship that these athletes have to their lives after they play the game and their interesting relationship to media. So it was really interesting to see somebody who had such a, um, a complex and at times even fraught relationship with the sports media seemed to also want to find himself through, um, you know, a Hollywood camera screen and lens and a gaze that I felt like there was, there's so much really interesting things that, that you sort of alluded to in those last 30 minutes that I could imagine you could have gone on for a part three. Oh yeah, we had a lot of stuff. I mean, but you know, it's what you were saying earlier. Every time you do one of these films, you're trying to figure out what lens do you want to tell a story through? Oh, and 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 which, what perspective do you want to bring to the table? Which is always fascinating because think about it. You know, what's interesting to me when you see the films we make, both be be they fiction or, or or nonfiction, is how the notion of who an athlete is has evolved. Because if you think back, you know, Clint and and Sam back to when Jackie Robinson, you know, integrated the major leagues. When I was a kid, that's all I ever heard. Jackie Robinson integrated integrated the major leagues. You know, what a wonderful thing. Now we make films about Jackie Robinson integrating the major leagues, and you see the layers. You see who Branch Rickey might have been from another perspective. That he didn't pay the Negro leagues for these black ball players. You know, he didn't feel like he had a right, to, he, he needed to. You know, so you see there's a different level to look at these people. That's what always makes these documentaries so interesting, is what you were saying, Sam. You know, if someone does another Bill Russell documentary in five or six years, it'll be a whole different perspective than this one, which is always fascinating. That's why there's so many films, as you said, about Ali, because there's so many ways to look at him. 
in terms of him's relationship with Muhammad with Malcolm X, in terms of what it meant to have a, his family, what was his life like be, between when he gave up his refused to go into the draft and when he got back his you know ability to, to to box again. There's so many ways to tell these stories, which I find that's why I find the documentary form so engaging. You know, there's just so much variety in reality, right? I mean, so many different sure paths, is. You, so many paths you can take. A great term. Um, I think, uh, I think that this, yeah, we, we talked about his life after, after the sport. I think that one thing that you do here is push back against kind of the generic conventions of the sports documentary while also kind of engaging them. Like you have, you have the every year you, you know, it's, it's chronological and you mm -hmm. show you show this, you show the games and you show how his life was organized around his job around his his the game of basketball and how every year he would go to the finals and then they would win they would win the finals i think almost every year every year he played right 11 straight from 50 no they there was a couple of years that they didn't win but it was 11 11 in 13 seasons they won the first one then they lost the second one you know there was a couple of years that they didn't win but you know listen only twice yeah, that right? makes it that provides the drama right there's the yeah <laughs> i mean he was you know listen this guy he was uh he was huge he was a huge player both as you know we could you can tell he was huge he was a huge a richly complex man you know as an athlete you got to have a lot of ego and bill russell had a lot of ego i mean you know? yeah from a, and just from a basketball perspective I, I didn't finish my question about the genre, but uh, from sure. a basketball yeah. perspective, I'm also just interested in him as like a very unique player. He was defense, you know, he was extremely cerebral as you may, as you may clear in like those animated sequences where he's thinking through the plays before they happen. Um, but he was defense first, really, or he controlled yeah. the games in ways that we don't usually think of as being the ways that one controls a game in basketball. But uh, my question originally was just how much did you think about the genre of sports documentary and how it's organized and that na that narrative of organizing it by seasons and kind of uh, victory like victory as an end goal? Were you thinking about that as you were as you were organizing the footage for this film? Or yeah, were we you... were. But the biggest challenge though was to, to say to ourselves, when do we have too much basketball? When do we stop? And go to something that he was doing off the court. And then when we got to his activities off the court, the question we had to ask ourselves was, how long do we stay with that material before we get back to the basketball? In the original structure, the classic structure, the classic narrative structure that we had was after the tease, we started with him in Monroe, Louisiana, moved all the way to his family, going to Oakland. Then he goes into the place, middle school and high school, and then goes to USF. We flipped it. We After the tease, we decided to have him get drafted by the Celtics, bring him into the Celtics to create the drama. Here comes this guy who just won a gold medal, but a lot of people don't think he can shoot. Because most times when you think basketball, you think someone who what? Scores points. You think someone who's like Will Chamberlain, 100 points in one game. The thing to remember about basketball, like lots of sports, it's not about just scoring the points. It's about how do you set up your team from a defensive perspective to give them the ability to stop the other team so then his teammates can do the fast break, get down to the other end of the court, 
and score baskets. Think of it this way. Will Chamberlain, physically, in terms of his size, was taller than Bill Russell, had more weight than Bill Russell, could score more points than Bill Russell. Bill Russell understood, as in terms of the mind game, how to contain Will Chamberlain to the degree that his teammates, his teammates could take that ball down the court and score. Because as Red Auerbach says, it wasn't just about how many points you scored as an individual player, who won the game? You know, who won the game? And, and that's what makes the game of basketball like any sport. I mean, most of us don't understand and don't realize. I mean, we learn better now that athletes are pretty intelligent people. You know, because it's just not about jumping in the water and you swim laps. It's just not about taking your foil and fencing and you win. It's well, just swimming, about- it seems. Swimming, you just jump in the water and you swim laps. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <You just go. laughs> yeah, Everything needs, a, it's a mental game. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the more you understand the strategy of how you use your brain to play your sport, the better you can be. Yeah. I mean, look, just it's amazing. Athletics, athletics is, 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 is extremely, extremely profound when you think about it. Oh, yeah. And Russell is just like a, uh, such a, but he just is a, a genius in, of, of basketball yeah. and understanding the game in that way. Yeah, it's like what you said about him in KC, understanding the logistics of how to position yourself on the court when you're playing against another player and how to get the ball from one of your players to to from you from you know to get the rebound to get to your player to get down the court where that person should stand to get the rebound i mean it really is a science <laughs> something i was thinking about in terms of your question about um this film in certain ways it's it's as you pointed out already sam it's it's you you play with a bit of the established or traditional sports documentary time structure um, by by reversing what we would usually think was going to happen after the tea that we would start with the origin story narrative but you move us and shift us along and then take us um, take us back to to more of a you know familial historical narrative in that sense um, and I think that in that way in, in watching this it's it is like a it tr- often it does feel quite traditional it feels you know even with the time change still quite chronological um at times decidingly and, and i think appropriately hyographic like you know celebratory and um um because that's that is the light that you can you you cannot not respond to all those all those championships the thing i actually find also really really exciting this is part of what i think um I do as a scholar when I think about black sports documentaries, I always try to think, well, what does it mean when I say, and I use this term called, you know, to sport blackness, which is to think about how athletes or how particularly um, films about black athletes allow for this kind of either formal challenge um, on screen, whether that, you know, breaking down conventions or how the athletes themselves and how they are arranged or edited or their voices are layered, create a kind of tension and challenge to dominant narratives, whether they be documentary narratives or narratives about what we expect from athletes. And that's what this work really does. And you do that through, you use a narrator with, with, um, Corey Stahl, I believe, does the narration. Plus, you have Jeffrey Wright, you have Bill Russell, and you have you know the sort of established talking heads. And through that kind of um, um, 
sort of series of voices, we get this really complex challenge that, as you said, Bill Russell is a great athlete, a distinct figure, a distinguished figure, a flawed figure, um, somebody to be celebrated and thought about critically. His actions should be examined. His mode of play should be studied. Um, his choices should be put within a larger context and his relationship to the civil rights movement should understand that it's not that we just get to 68 and John Carlos and Tommy Smith that we can see the revolt of a black athlete where we have our black athletes who are wedded and already embedded in these larger social struggles and sports just like the you know um boycott um um, boycotts and marching have been sites of struggle, sites of um, of racial conflict and the and a place for potential racial progress. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I really, really love about this film is all of the ways in which we get a kind of robust announcement of who this man is to a lot of different people. And I really also want to appreciate very quickly, you having Renee Montgomery in this work um, and also shouting out the WNBA because something, and this is for all you directors out there listening, um, especially sports, is that um, women are influenced by sports. Um, the entire league of the WNBA has a, a direct and implicated relationship to the NBA. So thinking also the role that Bill Russell played for women athletes is really, really critical too. So I was really appreciative, not just to see the talking heads be, be men, not just be who we assume they would be. Um, and so I think that's a really, really great to think about the impact in terms of all athletes um, in this sport, but also beyond that, that somebody who has had such a legendary career and whose lives, whose life we were able to to watch for such a long period of time, unlike Wilt who died in the 90s, um, kind of have a relationship to the game and into the sport um, in a meaningful way, be recognized as affecting men and women's place in sports. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things that I think that's interesting, you know, when Nelson George says in the film that when Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor came into the game. It brought into the National Basketball Association the Black athletic perspective, you know, and it changed the whole notion of how you play basketball when these Black athletes came into the game. You know, and you've seen that in other sports. You've seen it in football. You've seen it in baseball. You know, the presence of the African-American athlete changed the whole approach to the game. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know, when you think about that history. That history is so connected to their segregation from these leagues. Like, as you said, you're working on the Negro Leagues, and we know, obviously, the connection between um, the Celtics with Chuck Cooper, who played for the Harlem Rins, who also changed how we thought about basketball being a game that's played up in the air, as opposed to um, the sort of slower, white-dominated version. A horizontal game. And... So it's really interesting to think about these as like connected histories that they change the game also because they finally get to bring these histories and these different modes um, and ways of playing into these places that have been exclusionary, that have not been inclusive um, and that have, but that have been further developed and changed forever so much so that we cannot see the game played in any other way than from what they have done um, when when the league was integrated. Just one 
more question, I think. Uh, growing up, were you a fan of Bill Russell and the Celtics? Not so much the Celtics, but I was a big Bill Russell fan because growing up we in my neighborhood, we always had the dialogue about who was the best center of all time at that time. Do, you was grew up in Bill? New York? I grew up in New York. So it was either Bill Russell or, or Will Chamberlain. I always went on the side of Bill Russell because I just his defensive skills were superb. I wasn't so much a Celtic lover, you know. I mean, I'm a New Yorker, so. You didn't go with Willis Reed then? Huh? You didn't go with Willis uh, Reed? Then? You know, Willis Reed, you know, I, I think he, I was he wasn't He wasn't in the same category? No, no, I, I, knew, I knew about the, you know, Walt Frazier and, and Earl Monroe. But, you know, quite honestly, for me, baseball was the game oh. that I grew up loving. I mean, I was a big, I was a huge fan of the 64 in St. Louis Cardinals because my dad had lived in St. Louis. So I loved Bob Gibson and Bill White and Kurt Flood and Lou Brock. You know, I I loved it. You know, even loved Tim, what's his name? Who was the catcher? Tim McCarver. <laughs> So I was a huge baseball fan. I knew about the NBA and I loved Bill Russell, but I was really a baseball fan in the 60s until I got to my 20s and I became a I became a big basketball fan when you know when the Lakers and the Celtics with uh, Magic and and Larry Bird, you know, it was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, I think Showtime. A lot of people, right? yeah. Showtime and Kareem. <laughs> and then I forgot basketball. And I became a fencing fan, a tennis fan. Oh, wow. Okay. Tennis is also, I mean, you write about tennis, Samantha, too, in a really interesting way. You see my Arthur Ashe films, Samantha? Yes, yes. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, I grew up with him, too, Arthur Ashe. I mean, what's interesting for me about all these films, guys, is that these are all part of my generation. I mean, I grew up with watching all this stuff. So I I love all this stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sam. Uh, it's been really fun. And uh, I just want to say, I hope you make a Wilt Chamberlain documentary because I think Wilt is a really... That's a good idea. This movie made me think he's such a, a really interesting guy. I just want to know. I, I want to see like this kind of thing about Wilt. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye. Thank you, Clint. Film Comment Podcast features original music by Greg Ing. Film Comment is a publication of film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has been the home of independent film journalism, publishing in-depth interviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, arthouse, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com.